This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go. Every day giftable. Every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. And they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first 2-in-1 removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. All right, it is Film Study with Ken McCusick, and this time we're going to talk about football that counts. So we're going to look back at the defensive play from week one as the Ravens beat the Buffalo Bills 47-3. to Unfortunately, those guys over at the Rockpile Report will have to talk about a loss this week, but we get to talk about a win. Ken McCusick, how are you doing? Life's good, Josh. How about you? I'm doing well. I mean, we're going to break down the defense. When you keep the team to only three points, that, uh, that means we're going to have a fun podcast today. Yeah, but the offense is going to be fun too, but this certainly is going to be a fun fun game to talk about and nothing like having a big opening day win. And the reason is I will watch this game more times than any other over the course of the season. And 
some of that's mitigated by the fact that they play Cincinnati again in just uh, three days from now. We're recording on right. Monday night. But uh, but still, it, it's a game I'll watch as much, as much as any other this year again. Right. And we're going to talk about the defense today. But part of what made this game so much fun is we have been doing so much talk this preseason about the defense and what does Martindale have, knowing that there's no way he's playing the way he's showing us in the preseason. And then on the offensive side, we've been talking a whole bunch about uh, Lamar Jackson and can the Ravens get him in for one or two plays and they got him in for 10 plays in that first half and then just basically gave him the ball for the second half. So I wish I bet someone on how much Lamar Jackson was going to see the field on week one because it's way more than we predicted. Yeah, pretty cool. Definitely on both sides. We Lots of new new uh, schemes to watch from Martindale. Uh, watching what they did with Jackson I think was right out of the Dominic Foxworth play, playbook. That they it was. Really trying to show him off as we can run, he can pass, he can line up split, you know. So giving defensive coordinators some opportunities to pull their hair out. Oh, yeah. No, they did enough that the Bengals have to spend some time preparing for when Lamar Jackson gets on the field. And that's mm-hmm. awesome. That's anything you can do for that little bit of advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's get into it. Let's get into the defense. And let's first talk about the schemes. Because we talked a lot about this at the preseason where he would, uh, Martindale would play the dime for a little bit in the first half. And then it would completely go away. How did his scheme change going into this game? All right. Well, there were three major scheme changes, but I really want to talk about the unintended scheme change first because the Ravens got caught with 10 men on the field when the Bills had first and goal from the three-yard line. So that was a very big, uh, not point in the game in terms of the game being still in doubt because I think it might have been 33 to nothing at the time. Right. But but it was it was a it was a big point in terms of wanting to keep the shutout going <laughs> and uh, and amazingly they lined up as effectively as they could with with ten and Kenny Young in fact moved to the line of scrimmage to take the position where an outside linebacker should have been which I thought was good. Um, Zadarius Smith was first man in the backfield and he was responsible for sniffing out the RPO fake. So we had uh, the quarterback in then was Allen and he handed off to. Uh, he was going to potentially hand off to McCoy, who would actually have had a very easy time getting into the end zone, and the the, the uh, color guy pointed that out. But instead, Allen held the ball, and, and uh, Zadarius took him down for a two-yard loss, and that was that. And the, the Bills ended up having to settle for a field goal after they got sacked on third down for another 12-yard loss. Right, and like you said, Allen was the quarterback at the time, so by then the game was already out of hand. Already out of hand. Our friends at Rock Pile Report hate Josh Allen, so uh, they hate Nathan Peterman too now. I'm sure, but uh, but anyway, they hate them both. Okay. <laughs> um, but what about the rest of the game? Did we see a lot of the dime more than you yeah. expected? Actually, probably less. We saw only nine dime snaps during the game, so Levine took care of those. One went to Clark, I believe. And yes, and and uh, otherwise they they played a bunch of other different packages, which may, by the way, have been a concession to weather. So just talking about the times where they really could have played Jime, they played two different packages, which were very unusual. They played a jumbo nickel that had three defensive linemen and five defensive backs. Now, I can't even really other people say oh you mean like the 335 well it's not really that simple because the normal ravens for all of the harbaugh era and even stretching back before then when they were a 3-4 team when they went to the nickel they'd go to a four-man pass rush front and to do so what you do is you take out one of your three defensive linemen 
and you put in a slot corner to replace him, so you then have five defensive backs on the field. It is the basic nickel substitution. Defensive line and off, slot corner on. Well, anyway, in this case, they're playing with both. They're playing with three defensive linemen and five DBs, so instead they took out an inside linebacker. And so there, it's, a, it's a very unusual um, uh, three-man defensive line with, with five defensive backs. Uh, it was successful in the game. Of course, everything was successful that the Ravens did in this game, so they didn't really have any, any failures in it. The jumbo nickel had nine plays for 15 yards. That was 1.7 yards per play. Uh, of course, everything they, they, they did, of course, like I said, really succeeded in this one. Right, right. I like that you're saying maybe this was weather-related because when we get to the offensive podcast tomorrow, they didn't do what you would have predicted for weather. No, they continue to throw the ball, which, right. you know, I, I, I've heard Joe Theismann say he liked to throw a wet ball, uh, at least at first, because it would made the ball more tacky and more easy to control. But I don't think he was talking about the kind of monsoon conditions right. we that were was a monsoon. And no matter what yeah. Joe likes, there's no way wide receivers like to catch the ball in that rain. They, they they don't like to catch the ball probably and they probably really don't like to catch a heavy ball thrown hard by Joe Flacco. Yes. I mean, that's gotta be like catching a missile or a you know I, Yes, <laughs> I imagine nice cold day. It's not, not the funnest thing to catch. Um let's get into the let's bring it back to defense. I want to I want to go back into one more scheme yeah. thing because I didn't I didn't get through everything here. But anyway, the the other big thing was that they put on five outside linebackers on the field for three plays. Very very unusual. So they had no defensive linemen on, and their pass situations. And it was a third and eleven. I think might have been the first time. But but with five outside linebackers on the field, they had two sacks and one interception. Sack for minus three, interception sack for minus four. So. Uh, I think we're going to see more of that package. It's very interesting. It's very hard to figure out who they are going to bring. And since the Ravens have some outside linebackers who can cover, specifically in Bowser and in Judon, they got a better chance to, to drop those guys into cover as they see fit and have some, some optionality in terms of how they do it. But it does really rely very heavily on the defensive backs then to maintain coverage while those guys can try and get home. So it's a, a interesting package, high-risk package. I'm not sure he'll do it in in other weather conditions or with better quarterbacks, but it, it really worked in this game, obviously. Yeah, do you think it was weather, or how much did the scheme change in the second half when it seemed like the priority was to rest guys and get out of that game healthy? Yeah, I mean, that was what they were seriously concerned about, and they did a great job of it in terms of, Nobody on the defense, certainly at least, was overworked. I didn't hear of any reported injuries, which is good, and hopefully, you know, I'm not jinxing us on that one. But but it was a uh, a great night, a great day of uh, getting rotational play in. You got Ricard with a fair number of defensive line snaps for the first time in a while. They had 11. Wormley led all defensive linemen with 33 snaps. So nobody nobody was taxed, and that's where it really comes. By the way, up front. It's on the defensive line. You need to make sure you don't overtax your players. So those guys are the most important ones to be uh, healthy and, and well-rested for the next game. And you want, you want everybody to be healthy. To be well-rested for the next game is, is really the defensive line. Right. And I think we should also, at this point, kind of praise the uh, stadium personnel over at M&T Bank Stadium for the type of weather we had. That field must have been in great shape and perfectly fine because we didn't have anyone on either side of the ball go down. And a lot of times when you get that type of rain, there's so much mud, guys are going down all yeah. over the place. So um, I think we have a, are very blessed with that field as our home field. 
Yeah, it's, it's really nice. I mean, the, obviously, the, the more modern fields are built with these cranking drainage systems that will take the water right through the field. So you don't have a problem with that. But we, we have seen it at, at places like Heinz Field. They continually have, you know, mud fest issues there to, to, that they have to deal with. So, or, yeah, I agree. Right. It's a great field. Or right down the road at, uh, what is it, FedEx Field now. <laughs> That's a pretty bad one, too. Uh, the pass rush, the Ravens blitzed 24 times. From the line that's, of scrimmage. That's right. So we talked about this a little bit in the off seasons. We did that one. We did that one uh, podcast with Dev about the uh, differences between the Pease and Ryan era. So to put this in context, um, Dean Pease last year averaged, and I want to make sure I get this get this correct. He averaged seven point six blitzers from off the line of scrimmage per game in 2017. If you go back to Rex Ryan in 2006. The ultra aggressive organized chaos defense. Rex Ryan averaged 19.5 blitzers from off the line of scrimmage per game. And yesterday, in a relatively short game, Martindale had 24. You know, and I, I can't really say that he turned it off in the second half because he didn't. He kept it going. <laughs> but uh, but it was one of these things where it was uh, obviously the team enjoys this kind of a defense. I think they. Uh, Defensive players love to try and make plays by by blitzing and by you know gambling and coverage and other things. So it, it was really, uh, I'm sure this really got them excited. Yeah, and the secondary seemed to be giving them extra time. They were doing a good yeah. job with the coverage. Yeah, great point, great point. So they, they had six sacks in the game, but the bulk of these sacks were not fast-developing sacks. In fact, I'm trying to remember even one that was really a fast-developing sack. They were, they were slower-developing sacks and clean-up sacks. So Suggs is a cleanup sack. Darius Smith is a cleanup sack. Both of Tavon's are really cleanup sacks. I'm trying to think of who else had one. Tim Williams was a was a somewhat faster sack where he, but he had to track the guy down to the left side, missing the fifth, the sixth sack. But anyway, I'll think of it. But but anyways, a lot of slower developing sacks. And and you're right that that the secondary plays a huge role in that. And a lot of secondary members have a significant role, but the most significant by far is the slot corner. Because that guy will have a, the hardest time of everybody trying to, to guide the possible routes that his receiver can run and deal with the quickness that his receiver may present him with. So uh, it's, it's, it's really a testament to Tavon Young and how well he played in part that how well that, uh, that defense was able to maintain the opportunity for extended pass rush. Right. Now, uh, Peterson and, um, and Allen are both bad quarterbacks. And the oh, yeah. Bills are not a good team. So how much of this will did we learn from the Ravens today that we'll see progress when they play better teams? You know, I saw I saw some of that. Glenn Clark had a question on his show that was like, what percentage or was it good Ravens as opposed to bad Bills? And I, I think there's something to be said for the fact that these aren't great young quarterbacks. Josh Allen actually looks pretty good to me. He came in the game. I thought he ran the offense fairly well, used his own legs well to get to, to – Get some first downs. Had one really good drive against the Ravens that just ended up in a field goal. But the uh, I, I'd say that Peterman was quite bad, as bad as expected, as nervous as expected, and he looked he looked rattled from that very first sack. Even though he didn't take a really big hit on it from Tavon, he really looked rattled uh, from from the very first hit. Uh, as far as the the offsetting factors, though, the Ravens are really held back. Their pass rush would have been slowed down in this game because of the weather. Just wet weather makes it more difficult to get in and get after the quarterback. you you got to make a move defensively to outreact that offensive lineman. And, and oftentimes on a wet field, that can be very difficult. So uh, oftentimes a lot of ample time and space opportunities are created. 
Um, the Ravens did a pretty good job of not allowing those. They had 14 ample time and space opportunities allowed out of 39. So it was a good, I'm sorry, 16 out of 39. So 16 ample time space, 23 not, which is a, is a good segment, is a good uh, mix for the defense. But the, the defense still should have given up about 225 passing yards. You remember when we've done that before with expected yards right. with Flacco. Uh, and they gave up 70. So they beat their they beat their uh, approximation by 155 yards, and a lot of that was in the secondary. A lot of that was the the QBs throwing off target, uh, a whole bunch of you know probably other factors involving weather and drops. But uh, but yeah, it was a uh, it was quite a great day for the Ravens defense in, in just about every way, and some of it was accentuated by uh, by good fortune. Gotcha. I want to continue to do what we did during the five preseason games and call out some kind of individual guys to talk about. For each game, and the first guy on my list is Brett Urban. Okay, so Urban had a terrific game, and and he made good personal contributions. But you talk about a guy who everything is going on right around him. Uh, you know, he, he he had a he pressured uh, Peterman into one overthrow. He he drew a holding call when they had a sixth lineman in the game, so that was nice. He got the initials uh, the flush when Suggs got us his first sack, his only sack, as a matter of fact. So he did some good things. Not like he didn't contribute at all, but he was in for 14 pass rush plays in total. Now get this. They had zero completions for positive yardage. They had one completion for minus one, nine incompletes, three sacks for 21 yards, so a total of negative 22 net yards, and one interception. And that's all the plays. So one point, minus 1.6 yards per pass play while Brent Urban was in the game. That just jumped out at me off my uh, my table on the right side of my spreadsheet when I was done with entering the game. And uh, uh, the last time I've seen something like this happen was Dan Cody against the Falcons in 2006, who had a you know a remarkably odd game like this. Um, anyway, great to see Urban back playing well. Loving the Ravens five techs right now, all three of them. But uh, but uh, I guess Urban is one we're going to talk about here. Right. Um, all right, next guy. Before he, I saw him knock down a pass, I didn't realize how big Chris Wormley is. Yeah, so 6'5 guy. Uh, he knocked down a couple of balls in this game. I, that was good, just the fact that he had his hands up. What was even better is you could really see he's looking at the quarterback trying to figure out where he's going to throw the ball. So it's not an accident that he got his hand up at that, at that time. Uh, you know, he did it, and he and he he got a hand on the ball materially both times. And uh, one of the two, he actually just got a little piece of the ball that but was, was still enough to deflect it uh, significantly off target. The other time, he got a he got a piece of it such that it could have been an interception very easily with a pop up if he'd uh, hit it just a little bit differently. So, great play by Chris. He had played 33 snaps, which is the most on the defensive line, as I mentioned. Uh, looked good in, against the run. They had him playing a little bit out of position on some of the plays. They had him as a three-tech on some and a five-tech on others, which I thought was uh, you know, good to, to have players playing multiple positions. It's not that different, particularly when you're rushing the passer. But uh, it is a difference in terms of where he plays, and he's more used to lining up opposite a tackle and trying to see if he can um, uh, beat him. So anyway, uh Good play by Wormley. Nice to see him. He got an opportunity to talk to the media after the game. Very well-spoken individual. Did a great job of, of explaining his role and uh, impressive kid. All right. Uh, Zadarius Smith was a sack machine yesterday. Is this what we can expect from him every week? Yeah, I mean, he was he was in on the quarterback all day. And, and honestly, I think he, he really could have had four sacks in this game. It, it, one of the things about a sack is that if you – 
tackle the quarterback as long as it's for zero or less, zero or loss, you get a sack. But Zedaria Smith took the quarterback down for a one-yard gain. How big a difference is that? Especially when it's on third down, they don't convert. It's really a sack for plus one. That's what I think of it as. And he had another sack for plus three, as it turned out. And then he had a third play where he took the quarterback down on this 10-man play that I, that I discussed. And somehow they called that a running play for the quarterback. I don't know why. <laughs> there should be a bias heavily towards giving a sack to the pass rusher, but they called it a run. And then he had a real sack of his own for minus four on a, on a nice cleanup. Uh, but got great pressure. He was the Ravens' most significant defensive player in this one. He lined up all over. Uh, a fair amount on the inside where we expect him to line up. And, and you know, in past years, he's had a, a very significant presence there. But also a lot of outside linebacker, too, where he was really the second outside linebacker after Suggs getting the most snaps. So uh, at rush linebacker, that would be. Anyway, great game for Zedarius, and uh, I hope he can keep that up week after week. All right, this is a weird uh, question, but Tim Williams, did his sack, cost the shutout did it allow them to get that field goal you know i think that's not an unreasonable assumption it was third and five uh when he got the i'm sorry yeah it was third and five when he got the sack it made it fourth and 17 because it was a 12 yard sack and i think they probably would have gone for the td from fourth and five it's considered extremely unmanly in the nfl i think for, to, to not go for the touchdown to break the shutout to break it by you know kicking a field goal late uh, and so they, they don't, teams that are way behind don't like to do it. But uh, but at fourth and seventeen, of course, they're going to try and kick the field goal. Um, but at fourth and five, I think they they would have gone for it, and the Ravens would have had a chance to to, to maintain right. the shutout. So so a twelve yard sack, and you're saying uh, maybe you shouldn't have done that. No, I, I'm definitely no. not saying that. I'm very excited that Tim Williams is getting a quarterback and is maintaining some of that pressure we saw during the regular season. He's still during the preseason. He looks very very fast out there. He also he drew a holding call on the tight end early in the game. But the Ravens did a good job, by the way, in this game of drawing holding penalties. And I always want to mention that. Urban drew one, Tim Williams drew one, and Smith drew one. And the players who do that, it's almost as good as having a sack because it gives you the option of taking that penalty or taking the play. And oftentimes you can take the play for either an incomplete or a short gain that doesn't get them the first down and still get them off the field. Or you can take the the minus 10 with the with the preservation of down and give yourself another chance on defense. So it has, has real option value that is often undervalued by people in terms of the, the penalty. All right. Um, it was pouring rain, and I don't think Kenny Young knew that yesterday. He was so fast for a wet field. Yeah, he's definitely he's, – he was on a ski-do, that's for sure, getting around that field. So, uh, unbelievable sideline-to-sideline side speed. Uh, we, you know, we heard about it. We kind of expected that. Uh, we've we've had years of Ryan Shazier being in Pittsburgh, of some other teams going with with faster inside linebackers, but Kenny Young looks like the real freaking deal after one game. I can tell you that. So he uh, he did a whole lot of things, but he made contributions just really like we've been talking about in the preseason against the run, against the pass, and against a, a, as a pass rusher. And he did some of each. He got a sack in the game, his first NFL sack, obviously, of Allen. Uh, chasing him down by the left sideline. He had a, it, just an unbelievable pursuit to the right sideline to take down Murphy uh, that I thought, you know, it, it, it's the kind of thing that reminds you of Ray Lewis going after Tiki Barber in Super Bowl 35, which I think we've made that comparison before, but it, it just always impresses me when a, when a you know, linebacker displays that kind of speed moving to the outside. Right. Uh, good containment on, on after the pass, too. So, you know, good in all three phases and, uh, I'm sure we're going to see more playing time out of that. Pina Dawasu actually had a pretty bad game. Uh, no real contributions in 25 snaps. 
and uh, I think we're going to see more of Young going forward. Gotcha. Uh, let's go. Let's talk about the secondary because they played really well as well. And Marley Humphrey is making a case. Marlon Humphrey is making a case that maybe we don't need Jimmy Smith. Yeah. Well, Jimmy Smith. Everybody, you know, talks about him being the number one corner, and I still hear muted rumblings about boy Marlon Humphrey's got to step it up and take it to the next level. Marlon Humphrey was already one of the best corners in the entire game last year. If you're following, if you understand like what passer rating against he had and and you know just how he looked, if you just watch him play week to week, you know this. And and he's certainly the best Ravens corner coming into this year. Better than Jimmy, especially with Jimmy coming off an injury would have been my my specific way I would have termed it. Jimmy had a better year last year. But uh, but coming off an injury, I would have taken I would have taken Marlon. So anyway, he came up with a big game. Was credited with four passes defense in this game. I think one of them was actually a gift. He really had three. Even so, very impressive. Ravens history, one of the most remembered plays. You know, negatively and often that's the case with with certain plays. Is Lee Evans getting stripped of the football uh, by Sterling Moore? And in this game. Uh, Humphrey had an absolute club of a left hand in taking two balls away from receivers with a with a late punch out, and it's something you know. Think back to uh, Lawrence Taylor and the way he brought the club to pass rushing, and and uh, fumbles on blindside sacks went up by a by a large amount. He had a club of a right arm, but but Humphrey using that left arm looked really impressive yesterday. Yeah. Of course, and uh, the other guy, the guy I was excited about going into this season because he's healthy now, Tavon Young, looked great yesterday, and he's back. Yeah. yeah, he is He is back, and it looks as good as he ever did in 2016. The two sacks are, are just kind of an anomaly. He's, he's blitzing off the slot, which is something Martindale apparently is going to do more of. They made the point that, that the Ravens' secondary had eight and a half sacks last year, which led the entire NFL. They're off to a good start this year towards topping that, I think, because they're going to blitz a lot. Off the slot, I think the blitz from safety. We had a, we saw already a QH by Weddle in this game, so I think we're going to see a fair number of sacks from uh, from the defensive backs this year. Tavon, uh, as I mentioned earlier, has a, it made a huge contribution to extended pass rush time in this game. He had a big PD of his own uh, by the left sideline against a much bigger receiver. Uh, so all positive signs from Tavon. Uh, there's very little negative to say about this this uh, game, and we picked. You know some players to talk about where we're not really saying anything negative, uh, but but very little negative on the defensive side to say about anyone here in this game. I know, I know, it's really hard when everyone plays well. <laughs> uh, let's close it out with Tony Jefferson. We got to see him be a center fielder basically with an interception. You know that's really the biggest thing about Tony because the Ravens want to have him to have the flexibility to play on the back end. It's not really what his strength has been to this point in his career. It wasn't in Arizona, and it wasn't his first year here. So, you know, I've been a, stri- a proponent of very strict usage between Weddle and Jefferson, but we still had Weddle come up to the line of scrimmage, Russ the passer once. We had Jefferson up at the line of scrimmage some as well, very productively, I might add. But we had a lot of Jefferson in the back end, particularly in the second half when they were playing a lot of two-deep safety. They pulled Weddle, and Clark and Jefferson were both on the back end, and Je- Jefferson played very well. He had, a, he had the interception, which is a pure Ed Reed playbook interception, anticipating the overthrow and getting lined up for it. Uh, and then he also had a pass defense where he was the back end guy in coverage. So think of it as the back end of the bracket where he had to come up and knock the ball away. In fact, it was a crossing receiver that he undercut the route slightly and, and, and knocked it away as tight end. Um, but anyway, good good play and uh, very excited about Tony. Tony also made some really good plays up near the line of scrimmage, particularly in pass defense, 
to uh, to knock out any chance of yak in one case and scare a uh, running back into dropping the ball in another. So uh, impressive day for Tony. Uh, he did allow a couple of the big completions in the game, including the 24-yard throw, which was the longest allowed, but overall excellent day. Yep. All right. Uh, let's get to our MVPs. I know you always come in with three guys. I've got some three guys to go along with you this week. So okay. let's, let's get started. Okay. We'll go from three to one. I'll start it, right? Sure. Okay. So I'll go. Uh, Tony Jefferson is my number three. I, for all the reasons I just stated, don't need to redo it again. All right. My number three is Peterman. Five for 18 for 24 <laughs> yards and two interceptions. How can you not give it to the quarterback that gets yanked mid-game? All right. Very good. Can't argue with that one. Tavon Young is my number two. I'm going to stick with actual Ravens in this case. Just a great game. And particularly when I have you know, not eight or nine guys I could have picked for this MVP award, I definitely want to pick three Ravens among my three stars here. Right, fine. I'll go on the Ravens side of the ball too, and I'll go with Martindale because I think he caught a great game with a lot of different packages, and it was fun to see the Ravens be a little creative on the defensive side. You know, I really like that pick. I wish I'd thought of that. That's a good one. Okay, uh, number one for me is Darius Smith. By far, his pass rush was the most significant, and uh, it looks like he's going to have a monster year. Of course. Yeah, I mean, you can't. He's a sack machine yesterday. you got to pick him. Um, I know you're expecting me to pick the rain or or, or the, <laughs> the national anthem or something, but I'm going to go with Tavon Young. You're number two, but my number one because I'm so excited to have him back on this field. Yeah, I'll, I can't argue with that. Great, great game for Tavon. All right, uh, let's get to a little mailbag and um, because we've got plenty of time to get to Thursday's game, which I say plenty of time, but it comes up in four days. So um, let's get to the mailbag. I'm pulling it up right now, and my phone's crashing. All right, again, you need to get your questions in on Twitter using the hashtag FilmStudyMailbag. And the first question up is from Mr. Ed. Is Chris Wormley a stopgap solution to be interior DL? He looked too good to be used in rotation. No, he's, he's, a, he's a very good player, and uh, he's the five-tech heir apparent after Brent Urban leaves, and that's likely to happen after this year. Urban looks like a complete stud, uh, likely will be lost to free agency after this year. But Chris Wormley and Zach Sealer will be the, the number one and number two among the five-techs, and the position is still in good hands. Wormley's just a second-year player now, so we got got him under team control for three more years. Uh, couldn't be more excited. All right, Josiah Wood asks, who would you uh, start and who do you want to start opposite Jimmy Smith, Brandon Carr or Marlon Humphrey? Well, Marlon Humphrey is the team's number one corner. How they split the snaps between uh, Carr and uh, Smith would, could be a question if if uh, if they if Carr is still playing well. Uh, if not, you know, I think you you probably go ahead and you sit Carr. Uh, all the Ravens corners are playing at such a high level right now. We didn't even talk about Anthony Averett, who played very well in this game. That you know, it's it shouldn't be terrible if they have to sit somebody like Carr, uh, just because the team has more talent. All right, um, Michael Symes followed up a few days ago, but uh, it's been a while since our podcast, and he said he was listening to the Pick in the Fifty Three episode and said he noticed a lack of depth at linebacker inside and out. Besides Mosley, is he wrong? Is it seems like uh, you guys were focused on edge rushers, pass rushers? Are we weak at linebacker, missing the Lewis Bart Scott glory days? Yeah, I mean, I think we were, and then we saw how Kenny Young played yesterday. Maybe we're excited to have him back. Uh, either, Kenny Young just looks fast as anything, and very exciting to have him on the field. 
Uh, he may even impact how much dime the Ravens play because they may want him on the field for some of those third down snaps. But uh, but in any case, I think it's it's very exciting to have him for first and second down, particularly with uh, how he's flying around and uh, making plays. All right, and the final question comes from at Josh Soroka, who says, uh, now with Marcus Mariota down, how fast do the Titans call for RG3? <laughs> I, I, it's, this is an interesting question because the Titans really have to evaluate pretty quickly they whether do. or not their, their season has merit or not without Mariota. And I feel like and, that's the whole point of holding on to RG3 is waiting for a quarterback to go down. You know, it's 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 not a bad idea. It's It may have some... Uh, karmic repercussions of course if uh, if if you believe in that kind of stuff that we trade rg3 is the day before we're going to need him of course so, that's how it always happens yeah so but but I, if for the right price sure I, I i let him go i'd let him get back to playing regularly which is i'm sure what he wants to do in the nfl and uh, i'm sure he doesn't want to sit on the uh, inactive roster for week after week as the third quarterback so uh yeah I, I, if at the right price certainly yeah, he's got to be available I, you know what that right price is, is would be an interesting question right now because quarterback value, if there's a couple injuries like this, goes up pretty rapidly, and you could see a player like RG three, you know, a fifth round pick certainly, maybe a fourth round pick if you're really in uh, gouging mode. So uh, yeah, I think it's possible. All right, uh, let's talk about our schedule a little bit because this is a short week. The Ravens play again on Thursday against Cincinnati. So tomorrow night, Tuesday night, we will record a offensive breakdown just like we did tonight with the defense. And then on Wednesday, we will have come out a game kind of looking forward to the Bengals game. So that's right. So on Wednesday, we're really looking forward to that show. You, you guys know what the offensive line show is. We'll talk about that. And there's a lot to talk about about the offense, but it's not going to be any surprises from what you've seen last year. What we're trying to continue on a weekly basis is a conversation with the upcoming opponent analyst. So this time we have Joe Goodberry, who's a very well-known analyst in Cincinnati and uh, is someone who uh, is really known for, for knowing his stuff, and we'll be excited to have him on and talk about uh, about primarily what the Bengals bring to this game, much like the Rockpile Report guy Andrew Geyer came on and told us about uh, you know what the Bills were up to and what they had in terms of strengths and weaknesses. So most of the questions will be, what about the what about the Bengals and not us trying to give information about the Ravens? Right, and of course the key takeaway to this is the fact that we have underpromised and we're overdelivering because we've promised you two episodes a week and we're really doing three episodes a week to get you ready for the uh, upcoming game. That's new this season. It'll be the preview episode. So, Ken, what else is going on over at Russell Street Report and you're writing? Okay, so the the larger defensive article, which has all kinds of detail from what we've talked about on this show um, and and some other topics as well, is out there. And uh, you can see some uh, clips uh, of the 10 men on the field play and uh, there's other tables and whatnot to enjoy. Follow me on Twitter, at Film Study Ravens, if you would. Uh, Josh, I want you to tell them how to subscribe to the podcast and then also tell us about the new venture you've got with Birdland Radio. Yeah, you can go on to iTunes or Google Play and subscribe to just search Film Study. It, we always come up if you search Film Study. If you type in Ken McCusick into anything, Google, any machine, all of this comes up. So you can find it all very easily. Um, and everyone knows I'm over on Section 336, but you should go check out BirdlandSports.com because we now have Chib's new show, Neutral Zone Interaction, up there for even more Ravens talk. See, is Chibs have one episode still, or did, yeah, did he create a second yet? Uh, first episode's up. He'll have another episode up in a, any day now, I'm sure. 
Okay. Uh, we also got a NFL general show up there uh, by Kyle Andrews called uh, Offside Position that people can check out. It's a very good show. So up there on birdlandsports.com. I look forward to that. Kyle's, Kyle's a knowledgeable guy. I talk to him at camp every once in a while. Yep, great guy. So, all right, Kent. Well, we will speak tomorrow about the offense, and we can break down the Lamar Jackson second half. Sounds like fun. Have a good night. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch. Now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.